Good evening. Welcome to the City Council Study Session for Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. We're going to start with uh, some recognition and a proclamation. Um, the first one is for Jewish American Heritage Month, and we have several people who have joined us for this, so I'm going to ask you to join me up front so that you can all stand with me while I read it. And we're going to, if you want to stand that way and face the audience, then you'll be on TV. <laughs> you're welcome to come. Oh, you're going to do picture. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. I think you're here for some other reasons tonight, too. So it worked well. So whereas Jewish immigrants to America, ever since their first arrival to our shores in the 16th century, have played a central role in the creation, growth, freedom, prosperity, and strength of the United States of America. And whereas the biblical and contemporary history of the Jewish people and the enduring values of the Jewish faith were vital sources of inspiration for the founding of the United States, the civil rights movement, America's global leadership in the cause for freedom, Americans' commitment to social justice, and many of our country's most central tenants. And whereas Jewish citizens of Champaign, having first settled here in the 1850s, played a central role in entrepreneurship and community development, including by serving in the armed forces of the United States and the Illinois National Guard. And whereas the United States was the first country in the world to recognize the state of Israel in 1948, and over the years has developed a deep friendship and unbreakable alliance with the state of Israel based on shared values and mutual interests. And whereas for 42 years, every president of the United States has declared a period of time for celebrating the contributions to the United States of the Jewish community's history, heritage, and culture. And since 2006, the month of May has been presidentially declared to be the Jewish American Heritage Month, pursuant to a bipartisan resolution of Congress. And now therefore I, Deborah Frank Finan, mayor of the city of Champaign, do hereby proclaim May 2023 as Jewish American Heritage Month in the city of Champaign, Illinois. Thank you all. All right, city manager. Thank you, Your Honor. 
It is my privilege this evening to introduce two newly promoted city employees to members of the council and to our community. The first person who I'd like to introduce is Janelle Gomez. Janelle is the newly promoted Community Relations Manager Compliance Officer in our Equity and Engagement Department. She manages our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Division, which includes our services of investigating human rights complaints, administering the Equal Opportunity and Purchasing Ordinance, and she serves as our staff liaison and support to the Human Relations Commission and the Citizen Review Subcommittee for Police Complaints. She does DEI education and training to the city organization, as well as the community at large. Janelle comes to her new position, having served eight years in the Neighborhood Services Department as a community development specialist. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology and a Master's in Urban and Regional Planning, both from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And I can say, having worked with her for eight years, she brings a passion for community service, an attention to detail. She knows policy, she knows programs, but most importantly, she understands that the work of our staff makes a difference in the lives of people. She's originally from Elgin, Illinois, but is a member of our community now, and she is looking forward to being of assistance to citizens who feel that they have been discriminated against, and I know people in our community will find her to be a strong ally and advocate. Congratulations, Janelle. And now, having done that um, excellent uh, explanation of Janelle, um, you have big shoes to fill. The next person that I'm introducing is Shelby Mamano, who has been promoted to the position of Community Development Specialist in the Neighborhood Services Department. Her role is in assisting in the planning and implementation of our affordable housing initiatives. She works closely with our nonprofit partners, housing development agencies, financial institutions, and any other of our community partners who are really working toward the redevelopment and improvement of our housing stock, but most specifically making sure that we have quality, affordable housing stock in our community. Shelby has been with us as an administrative assistant in neighborhood services for just under two years. Um, she has her bachelor's degree from Eastern Illinois University, and she also has her Illinois real estate broker's license. Champaign, Illinois is her hometown. Um, she brings a lot of heart to the job, although it is not part of the script tonight. I will tell you that Shelby was one of the people who was instrumental while we were working through the Champaign Park apartment situation, trying to help place tenants, relocate tenants, make sure that their needs were taken care of, working with our hotels because we were trying to keep people in as stable and safe conditions as possible. Um, she really demonstrated extraordinary commitment to the community in that work. And she is looking forward to growing relationships with partnering agencies and make a greater impact on neighborhood wellness and revitalization in the city that she calls home. We're really, really proud and grateful to promote Shelby to this new role. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, before we do minutes, I just want to mention that um, Councilmember Beck is traveling out of the country with family um, and will not be here. And Councilmember Iniguez has a project that is due that he is working on. So unfortunately, they will not be here tonight. Your Honor, I move that we approve the minutes of April 4, of April 11th, 2023, special regular council meeting minutes 
I also move that we approve the minutes of April 11th, 2023 regular study session minutes. And I also move that we approve the minutes of April 13th, 2023 community civic event end of term council dinner. Uh, second. We have a motion and second. Are there any comments or additions? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Am I turning it over to Public Works? Yes. <laughs> All right, good evening, guys. Um, tonight, I am going to be re reviewing four honorary street designation applications um, Public Works has received in the last couple months. Um, we typically only review one designation at a time, um, so tonight's presentation is gonna be a little different from our typical procedure. So I'm gonna begin by reviewing all four honorary street requests the city has received. Once that is complete, council may ask questions regarding the proposed designations, and then next, community members can make public comment for the proposed designations. Then council can provide any comments for the applications, and then finally, council will poll alternatives for each request. Okay, so the first application that we received was for Professor Abram Sahar. Um, Professor Sahar worked with Rabbi Frankel to found the Hillel at the U of I in 1923. This was the first Hillel organization in the world which created social and cultural spaces for Jewish students and community members to meet. The Hillel has been at the corner of 5th and John since 1950 and is adjacent to the requested location. So the requested location for this designation is 5th Street between John and Daniel, and the requested designation is Abram Sahar Way. Now the second application is for Terry and Liz Hawkins. Terry and Liz Hawkins owned and operated the Skins and Tins drum shop from 1989 until 2020. The shop was a source of percussion instruments, supplies, and lessons, and they also supplied equipment to local and national music acts, supporting events at the Cranert Center, um, the Champaign Park District, Unit 4, and more. The requested location for this designation is the alley running east off of North Walnut Street between Main Street and Washington. And the requested designation is Skins and Tins Alley. The third application that we've received is for Frances Nelson. Frances Nelson was an African-American woman who gave up her home to house black children and at one point offered the only foster home to black children in the area. The Francis Nelson Health Center was named after Francis Nelson and was started in response to a dire need for health care and social services for Champaign-Urbana's black community members. The requested location for this designation is Bloomington Road between Prospect and Hagen, and the Francis Nelson Healthcare Clinic is adjacent to the requested location, and the requested designation is Francis Nelson Drive. And finally, the fourth application received was for an honorary street designation for the Jewish organization Chabad. Chabad has brought great Jewish programming, education, and a sense of togetherness on campus and in the community. Chabad has worked hard to make Champaign and the U of I a destination for Jewish families and students. 
The requested location for this designation is Armory Avenue between 2nd and 3rd Street, and the Chabad Center for Jewish Life is adjacent to this requested location. The requested designation is Chabad Way. So Public Works has reviewed each of these applications, and they each comply with the requirements of Council's Honorary Street Name Designation Policy. So staff is here seeking direction for preparation of resolutions for each of these honorary designation applications. And if anyone has any questions. So are there any technical questions? All right, seeing none, Jamie, if you don't mind, you can move in that way. You don't have your back to all the people who are gonna talk. Anyone who wishes to address the council on any of the designations, Please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. Anybody? Okay. okay. Good evening, council and, and new members. It is good to see you all again. I'm Minnie Pearson. I just got back from the South, so I'm going to keep this on and uh, do my best to talk about, about this. Uh, very important appointment that we have. Thank you all so much. Um, as you know, I am the president of the NAACP, and I'm also a member at large of the Francis Nelson Promise, uh, uh, vice versa, uh, healthcare center. So I'm here to talk to you today. Francis Nelson dedicated her life to serve and uh, unlifting the community through her work as a civil rights activist, educator, community organizer, her leadership and tireless effort helped to improve access to education, healthcare, and other vital resources for the underserved in our community. Naming a street after Frances Nelson is such an honor. Uh, it will help to uh, honor her by leaving her, you know, contributing to her legacy and serves as a reminder of the importance of the community she decided and worked really hard to build social justice and ongoing fight for equality. And I have a bit more to say. Sometimes it would be redundant, but what I want to say is this. As the founder, uh, throughout her career, Frances Nelson was a hard worker, and you know she contributed to social justice and equality and all of those things, addressing the cause roots of uh, health disparities. You know about our health department and how it fails sometimes the people who cannot serve or pay uh, their, uh, their fees. So she took people in for free uh, and, and helped them out. Naming the street after Frances Nelson, as I said, is a tribute to her legacy and serves as a reminder of the importance of community-led healthcare initiatives. It would also inspire uh, future generations to continue her work and strive for more just and equitable healthcare, uh, healthcare system. So thank you all. And if I'm stumbling, it's because I jotted this down and I wanted to make sure that I got here tonight to, to, you know, to talk about this. And I know that you all feel the same way I do. Now, I, I only had the opportunity to go there once or twice, but I got the best service, and they had your best interest at heart, and it was poor, but you appreciated what you had. And it says that um, sometimes you, it's not what, how much you have, but the little you have, you appreciate that, and we appreciated that, that center being there in the heart of the black community and serving the people that it needed to serve. So thank you for taking this in consideration, and uh, I'm really thrilled. You can tell when I'm through, right? 
Thank you, Ms. Pearson. Is there anyone else who wishes to speak? I'm not sure that I can improve much on what Minnie had to say, but I'm Jennifer Henry. I'm the CEO for Promise Healthcare. I've been with the organization for about two years. I jotted down just a few things. Our mission is to serve the underserved, to be a place where community members can have a place to go for health care and to feel safe. We wouldn't be the place that we are today if it wasn't for those who came before us, battling health inequities and helping the most vulnerable of our population. I just want to take a quick moment and speak about one of those that made this possible. It was the late 1940s, a time when the African-American community of Champaign was growing rapidly, and an area known as the North End was emerging as a black neighborhood where the people faced discrimination, abject poverty, and homelessness. One woman stepped forward. She witnessed an impoverished neighborhood where black orphans were barred by the racially segregated county children's home, and they had no place to call home. She was going to do something about that. This woman, Frances Nelson, opened her doors to these children and dedicated much of her life to them, opening her own home so they had a place to live and someone to care for them. Deeply connected to the community, she had no idea of the significance her kind acts would have and the impact her actions would have on the city from a cultural, historical, and humanitarian perspective for decades to come. While the social struggles at the time continued over the next 50 years, and to some extent still continue, Others took their place alongside Frances Nelson, stepping forward, working and sacrificing to bring medical care to an underserved community. Their sacrifices led to the establishment of a community health center, to the Frances Nelson Community Health Center, to Promise Healthcare. Frances Nelson is more than worthy of this recognition for her sacrifice, her contribution to the community, her inspiration to others, and to the history of Champaign. For the legacy she provided to the city and to the community we serve, Thank you so much for this consideration. I have two pages, but I'll try to make it snappy. So, hello, my name is Stacy Disney. I'm the marketing director at Promise Healthcare, the community health center serving Champaign County, which operates three locations in Champaign-Urbana with more locations pending in Champaign County. On behalf of our leadership and the board chair, Scott Greenlee, Promise Healthcare encourages the city council to name the portion of Bloomington Road from the corner of Prospect to Hagen Street as Honorary Francis Nelson Drive. We proudly recognize Francis Nelson as a trailblazer in the movement to establish racial equality and to inspire, inspire others to advocate for the medically underserved in our community. Our largest clinic is our Francis Nelson site at 819 Bloomington Road. The clinic provides quality medical, dental, and behavioral health services to anyone, regardless of their ability to pay. Our clinic has humble beginnings and was named after Frances Nelson, who opened her heart and her home to serve those in need. For over 50 years, the clinic has served thousands of community members with nowhere else to go for services. Promise serves everyone in need, and most of our patients are racial and ethnic minorities, as well as low income. We are community-led, and over 52% of our board members are patients, and all represent different sectors of the community. I love to share the story of Frances Nelson and how it led to the development of Promise Healthcare. In the 1900s, the African-American population in Champaign and Urbana increased 
dramatically, with blacks fleeing the South primarily along the Illinois Central Railroad in search of jobs and opportunity. Most of these newcomers settled in the Champaign North End as it came to be known. One of these newcomers was Frances Nelson, who moved to Champaign County in 1922 and lived here until she passed away on April 13, 1961. Although unschooled in social work, Frances Nelson cared for black orphans in her home. The children were barred from most foster care homes due to racial segregation. In the 1940s, the Optimist Club recognized the limitations Frances Nelson faced and built a children's home for her to use in Carver Park. She lived at the home in Carver Park as supervisor of the children from the time it opened until her retirement after passing the house set vacant. At the time of Frances Nelson's death, racial tensions raged across America and in Champaign-Urbana. There were no patients' rights or malpractice litigation for poor people or racial minorities. Several significant developments occurred to bring about much-needed social change. A University of Illinois study on racial health disparities revealed something stark. Black babies in Champaign County were twice as likely to die in the first year of their life than white babies. Concerns about taxes on predominantly black neighborhoods uh, for public health services and the level of services provided to these neighborhoods, development plans announced as part of urban renewal in the Champaign North End, and most crucially, the activism of local black men who came together to form a group called SOUL, the acronym for Security, Opportunity, Unity, and Love. The men of Seoul focused on strategies, strategies to better meet the health care needs of North End residents. The group began to discuss the possibilities of opening a community health center. Several local health care providers, as well as community activists, came together to open a free volunteer-led clinic in a vacant home on the corner of 5th and Eureka in Champaign. Thus began the North End Center. Patient, exceed, patient needs soon exceeded the capacity, and the clinic expanded to two nights a week. The patient base expanded beyond the North End residents to other low-income blacks and whites. The clinic remained at the original location for a year until urban renewal required the site to be vacated. There had been several locations, location changes, organizational affiliations, and man management changes over the years. Today, Promise Healthcare Francis Nelson Clinic at 819 Bloomington Road continues to provide medical, dental, and behavioral health services to everyone seeking care, regardless of their ability to pay. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Good evening, everyone. Mayor Finan, dear council members, dear staff of the city of Champaign, Jamie, thank you. Six years ago, I had the uh, honor and privilege of standing before you and uh, sharing information about Hillel's founder, Rabbi Benjamin Frankel. At the time, I, I opened by saying how proud, how, my name is Eris Cohen, I'm, um, I'm a citizen, I'm, I'm a resident of Savoy, Spent more time in Champaign than back home in Savoy. Um, at the time, I, I opened by saying how proud I am to be a member of the Champaign community. Uh, that pride only grew in recent years as our city has been facing local and global issues. 
And uh, I want to say to all of you that we are all grateful for your leadership in those really incredibly tough years, just to take that moment. And, um, and Mayor Finan, to you specifically on behalf of the Jewish community here, thank you for today's proclamation. It means a lot in a time of rising anti-Semitism to hear the mayor of Champaign reminding us how welcoming the city really is. I, uh, I'm here to talk to you about Professor Abraham Sacker. Abraham Sacker moved to Champaign in 1923 and uh, moved here upon finishing his PhD in Cambridge, England. His PhD was in history and he arrived in Champaign in time to partake in, historic, in a historic moment that would change the Jewish world all across the world and change the University of Illinois as it was in the 1920s. In 1923, Rabbi Benjamin Frankel was working to fund and establish Hillel, a campus organization aimed at providing Jewish students and their peers with social, cultural, and religious programming that they could not receive anywhere else on campus. The newly arrived Sacker loved the idea of Hillel and connected with Rabbi Frankel immediately. Their immediate bond turned into a partnership as Frankel led the religious aspects of the organization and Sacker offered Jewish history classes and social programming throughout the University of Illinois. They became close friends and ended up being roommates for some time until Rabbi Frankel got married. Frankel died an early and unexpected death due to complications from pneumonia in 1928. Sacker continued to support Hillel from the outside for another year and then became the third director of Hillel at the University of Illinois. He continued to expand the program locally and the movement of Hillel's growing on campuses around the country. He was appointed national director of Hillel in 1933 and kept the title and the headquarters of Hillel in Champaign until 1946. During those years, Sacker expanded the Hillel movement from nine host universities to 167 campuses around the United States, making Champaign the center from which the light of Jewish life on campus emanated. Sacker was known to be a warm and supportive Hillel director. I still hear today from children of his students that he kept in touch with thousands of them after he retired. I regularly get copies of letters that he would send for people's weddings and other, other life uh, experiences. And additionally, um, Sacker used his time after retirement like all of us would do. Rather than fishing or going bowling, he went and, be and became the founding president of Brandeis University, the first non-sectarian private university in the United States. After fighting for years against Ivy League schools that placed quotas against, against Jewish students and general ignorance on other campuses, Sacker called Brandeis University a host at last. It was to be a place where any student can be themselves. Sacker brought much pride to Champaign-Urbana during and after his time here, and there is no question that the social entrepreneurial spirit of Champaign made his work at Brandeis possible. Today, 100 years later, after, after the establishment of the first Hillel in the world, right here in Champaign, we are asking you to commemorate Professor Sacker 
by giving the honorary street name on 5th Street between John and Daniel Street. This request has been supported by our neighbors at the McKinley Foundation across the street from us, as well as the Sacker family that is joining us tonight on the live feed. And this includes uh, Abram's son, David, who was born here in Champagne in 1940. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please state your name and city of residence. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm Rabbi Alan Cook, um, and I am a rabbi of Sinai Temple uh, in Champaign. Um, and uh, I also want to speak out in um, support of uh, the naming of the street uh, in Professor Sacco's honor. Um, in addition to the wonderful work uh, that Professor Sacco did to uh, build up uh, Hillel um, here in our city. Um, Dr. Sacker also was extremely active uh, in Sinai Temple and in the broader uh, Jewish community uh, and continues to be uh, a well-known uh, household name for his work at Brandeis University, uh, for his um, expertise in Jewish history. Uh, and in this month when we are celebrating uh, Jewish American heritage, uh, I think that uh, Professor Sacker is a worthy honoree and recipient of this honor. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wish to address the council? Please state your name and city of residence. Hello. My name is Donovan Patterson, and I was raised at 306 North Abbey Road. My mom was hoping to be here this evening, but she is sick and cannot be here in person, so I'm here in her, in her place. Although public speaking is one of my greatest discomforts, it's very true, um, I respect Chabad deeply and want to do anything I can to help them be recognized for their impact in our community. Here is a written statement from my mom. I'm sorry I cannot be in person with the city council this evening. I've been looking forward to speaking on behalf of the Honorary Street Designation Application for Chabad. I'm Lori Go Patterson, a native of Champaign-Urbana, a native of Champaign-Urbana. My parents came to Champaign-Urbana in the early 20s, in, our, in their early 20s, for my father to get his doctorate. They both grew up in Los Angeles in a highly diverse neighborhoods. Neighborhoods with rich culture, a plethora of small businesses, where, where rabbis and families were a major part of creating the community fabric in collaboration with leaders of many other faiths. When my parents arrived in Champaign-Urbana in 1965, they did not experience an inclusive Jewish community. It was until 2003 when Rabbi Dovid and Goldie arrived that we began to experience the, cultural, the culture of Judaism in, a everyday, in our everyday lives in Champaign-Urbana. In my very first conversation with Rabbi and Goldie, they told me that their mission is to embrace and strengthen the community, regardless of affiliation. And they've done just that. My multicultural, multi-religious children have met other children just like them through Chabad and have become grounded in their Jewish heritage. Because of Chabad, my children's experience of growing in Champagne was one, one that felt religiously and culturally inclusive. 
unlike my experience here a generation before them. Chabad's activities and efforts tied to, to the campus community together with the resident com community. Jewish students who come to the University of Illinois and now find themselves embraced by the community experience is uh, themselves embraced by the community experience it as a true second home. Chabad directly services over 2,000 students per year and over 2,500 communities community members per year. And over 1,000 alumni stay actively engaged with events in Champaign because, because and through Chabad. Having Champaign City Council embrace and approve this honorary street designation, especially at a time when anti-Semitism is an all -time, at an all-time high in this world, is, an, is so important. In recent years, I've been proud of decisions that this council has made, and I'm honestly blown away by this gesture. I thank you all for your vision and commitment to true diversity, equity, and inclusion. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Please state your name and city of residence. Sure. Hyoko uh, Andaguerra Perez, resident of Champaign. Uh, good evening, uh, esteemed members of the Champaign City Council and members of our Champaign community who are present here today. As I said earlier, I am Hyokonda Guerra Perez, Executive Associate Vice Chancellor for Diversity at the University of Illinois Urbana Champaign. But previously, I also served as Director of La Casa Cultural Latina of UFI, which is one of the cultural and resource centers on campus. The Shabbat Center provides an important home away from home to Jewish students on our campus, as well as to other non-Jewish students to engage, visit, and learn about Jewish culture and traditions. As a former director of a cultural center, and as a campus administrator who oversees areas such as campus belonging, campus diversity initiative, campus climate and culture, among others, I understand the significance of public recognition such as this honorary strict designation for Shabbat to our students and their sense of belonging on our campus. Our university is enriched by the diversity of all our students, staff, and faculty, and that enrichment transcends our campus down to the county. Places like Shabbat Center provides a nurturing environment to Jewish students and cultivates the personal and professional growth. I remember when Rabbi David and myself on many occasions sat at a panel in front of incoming student athletes to talk about the many groups and communities our campus is blessed to welcome every single year. It is important for students and their families to be seen and valued. Having the honorary sign publicly displays provides an opportunity to show our Jewish community, we see you, we value you. We are all better when we have places like Shabbat Center with its deep commitment to help champagne growth in a place for all people all the time. We are grateful for the work and care of the Shabbat Center through Rabbi Dovid, the staff, student staff, and volunteer has shown to create a more welcoming and dynamic University of Illinois community and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? 
You coming, Terry? Please state your name and city of residence. Uh, my name's Terry Hawkins, and uh, I'm the owner of uh, Skins and Tins Drum Shop up here on uh, REO Speedwagon Way. Thanks for that. <laughs> Got a lot of mileage out of that one. And, uh, well, actually, my wife, uh, Liz, She's probably the owner. I tell her everybody she's the owner. She's got the checkbook. I just tune drums. <laughs> so, but um, I started my, um, I guess you'd call it musical career in seventh grade over at Franklin. And uh, that was the first time I played in front of uh, uh, an audience <laughs> of uh, seventh, eighth graders, ninth graders. And uh, I'll just make this story kind of long. <laughs> But um, I remember I was always into sports, and then I uh, found a couple other guys that, uh, in the neighborhood that uh, like to play or attempt to play music. And uh, the fall review, the talent show of the day of the, of the year, the school, was on the same day that uh, basketball practice was. So I went to the coach, and I said, hey, coach, you know, I can't make practice tonight because uh, we're doing the – the fall review, you know, the talent show. And he's like, well, you got to make up your mind where you're going to be in a band or you're going to be in sports. I go, okay, just a minute. I run in the locker room, get my uniform. I come back out and I go, here it is. I'm rocking and rolling now. The guy got face so red, you know, it was like I thought he was going to smack me. But anyway, so uh, I've been involved in music that long. And uh, when I got to the point where I realized I'm not going to be on the radio every day, but I still want to be connected with uh, music, so that's when I got the uh, idea to open the drum shop, which never ever has been a drum shop in, in uh, Champaign. There's been, you know, C.V. Lloyd's, Baldwin's, uh, uh, a couple other stores, Emerson's Music, all in downtown here. And, uh, you know, I just thought, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. I'll dump my bank account and, uh, you know, see what happens. And my wife and I had never done any type of business at all. You know, it's just a, a whim that, you know, we decided to do this. So she took some business park, uh, classes at Parkland, and we started it, you know. And we had no idea after 31 years that it would, it would uh, evolve into what it did, you know. this uh, I met so many people, took me so many places that I would have never, ever uh, been if it hadn't been for that store, and it, it would have never worked if it hadn't been for the community that supported the uh, the business. And you know, we were more than glad to give uh, things back to schools here in town, churches. I, for school, I went to and donated a bunch of stuff with Garden Hills, where I grew up. You know, so they were pretty excited about that, and uh, many churches. Organizations. There was never a time that didn't go by where uh, some musician was laying in the hospital dying, and sure enough, there'd be a fundraiser. And music is always involved in that. And uh, even if I didn't know the person, like, yeah, here's a five hundred dollar drum. See how much you can get. You know, uh, raffling that off. So we were constantly, you know, give trying to give back to the community. And you know, a lot of kids that started playing drums there uh, went on to. To uh, college and uh, our teaching, one guy uh, that was in went to high school, started taking lessons, and got a job teaching, and that didn't work out. So now he's a drummer for the United States Military Band. So, you know, I kind of that makes me feel good that we went full circle there, and uh, you know, 
started people, drummers on the downward spiral, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, drummers are always uh, kind of like the, in the back, you know, but, uh, and mainly I want to thank Kayla Brown. This wouldn't have been possible without her. Uh, she's now in the uh, 29 Maine where we were and done a remarkable job of renovating that old building. I mean, they took it down to the bricks and the tin ceiling. You've seen it. It's amazing what they did. And uh, it's, you know, and she has the same passion that uh, my wife and I had and still have for the community. And, you know, just trying to, and, you know, I, we love to be in part of the downtown. You know, I spent half of my life on that corner and I got some interesting stories if you want to <laughs> hear about it. But uh, I just want to thank uh, the committee here and uh, the community for uh, uh, letting me do that, being successful in, in some sort of way and uh, uh, changed my life forever. And, uh, you know, and, Look, and having this uh, nominated for the, the street sign is really, you know, that's uh, amazing. You know, I would never, ever have thought something like that would ever, you know, come up. You know, I just, I'm, so I just want to thank you very much, everybody. So, thank, thank you. Thank you. Please state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. Thank you. I'm Rabbi Teichtal from resident of the city of Champaign. I wasn't going to share some words because I'm so, such, I heard such amazing words until now. I'm overwhelmed by the warmth and the kindness. But I just wanted to share that, you know, I'm a resident here for 20 years. I remember when I moved here from New York City and the first person I met was installing my gas oven. And I asked him, where are you from? He said, I used to live in the city. Now I moved to the country. And I said, you used to live in Chicago? And now you live in Champaign. And that was my first New York attitude coming here. And now 20 years down here, this is our home. Directing Chabad here at University of Illinois is a blessing. And uh, for those that aren't familiar, Chabad is a Jewish organization all over the world. And we're a local chapter. But one of the things about Chabad is that it's a one-way ticket. The idea is, is that this is our home. Champaign is where we move to, is where we live, where our children are born, where our children are raised, and where my children have already told me if the person they meet one day agrees to it, they want to move back to. So Champaign is really our home. And standing here today in city council is really heartwarming and emotional, and real, I really feel blessed. When I look around here, so many of you have worked with your offices on so many different matters, and being, seeing you all here together on a night that we're trying to discuss, shall we recognize the work of Chabad with an honorary street name, warms our heart even more. So I wanted to thank you all for considering this. I wanted to thank you all for recognizing this is not me. Chabad isn't myself and my wife. We are just shepherds. We're part of the journey. It's about the community. And one of the things I have to tell you, people call me a lot and say, Rabbi, what's it like to being a Jew in Champaign, Illinois? I have to tell you, I walk around with a kippah and a beard. I look back then, beards were unpopular when I moved here. And I feel very welcomed. I actually experienced less anti-Semitism here than growing up in New York with 2 million Jewish people. And I think... Having this opportunity to make an honorary street name, an armory right in front of our new center, gives a message of everything that Champagne already stands for, but giving it a message by recognizing the work that we work so hard to do, bringing people together. Um, and there's two interesting points that run Chabad, and one of them is when I moved here to Champagne, I met a dean of students. His name was Dean Bill O'Reilly. And I asked Dean Bill O'Reilly, I said, Dean, dean Bill O'Reilly, what could Chabad bring to this town? And 
I still remember the words that he told me. That's what I try to live with every day. He said, you know, Rabbi, when students come to campus, the walls they build, the people they don't talk to are the people they're never going to talk to in life. The walls they take down, the people they talk to while they'll be on campus will be the people they talk to their entire life. And that has been our mission from the beginning. Can we bring people together, understanding each other, understanding each other's cultures? And the second area we're working very hard is to bring a strong sense of Jewish pride. We don't have to be a second city. Champaign is a place that Jewish pride lives. Jewish pride is strong. There's a rich Jewish history here, and we are here to continue to expand that and make it even greater and bring so many people together, people that never felt part of the community, people that did feel part of the community. So by recognizing Chabad Way, which is not just an organization, but Chabad is also a vision, the vision of inclusiveness, the vision of education, and the vision of bringing so many people together in a sense of pride means so much. So I thank you for considering this, and I thank Jamie your, and the city manager and the mayor and the city council, public works, and all those that have spoken to me about this idea and encouraged it and directed me not really knowing how to do this. So I really, really appreciate. Thank you so much, and thank you for all that you do on behalf of everyone in our community. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to address the council? All right, Jamie, I'm going to invite you back up, please. Um, are there any council comments? Councilmember Fulmer. Yeah, so first, uh, thank you for uh, to our staff for, for putting this together and bringing it forward to us. Um, and, and thank you to all of you who are here today. Um, as I was listening to all of you, I was really reflecting on... Um, how cool our community is and how um, how really uh, exciting it is to live here um, and to be uh, to, to have the great honor of, of sitting on this dais um, I think that this is a reminder of of, of how cool this place really is, and a reminder to all of us to participate in all of the great things that um, the organizations and and uh, different uh, groups have available to us uh, to experience and to enjoy as a community. Um, and and really, as someone who works with students every day, um, I, I think a lot about the sense of belonging and the importance of the, the sense of belonging. And um, I noted this when we were talking about um, honoring C Street a few months back. And the importance of of having a symbol that represents who you are or, or, or acknowledges who you are, being so visible to people is so important. Um, and so I just, it, it just happens to be a time where, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, we're so lucky to be able to do this. So, um, so thank you all for being here. Um, and uh, I look forward to uh, voting yes on this. So thanks. Anybody else? Councilmember Shannon. Um, thanks to the staff, thanks to everyone who spoke, and thanks to the people who put together the applications. I did just want to say I was really struck by, I, I've only ever seen the honorary street name petitions done one at a time. This was such a cool, diverse set of, I, they were all very different people and organizations, but at the heart of all of them was these are people and organizations that created community. That, that knit us together. And um, I'm so excited to be celebrating that. This is wonderful. And I love the depth of history that is shown in all of these. And I also look forward to voting yes on all of them. Anybody else? I just, um, 
I'm, I'm impressed by all of them and excited by all of them. But uh, a couple of interest, maybe interesting, at least interesting to me, um, uh, with Rabbi Sacker um, being, or Professor Sacker, um, beginning Brandeis, um, Councilmember Marcy Dodds actually graduated from Brandeis University. So it's kind of a nice connection. We have a lot of connections, I think, here in our community. Um, and I think um, with Skins and Tins, um, Mr. Hawkins was uh, humble in what he created, which is a nationally known um, drum shop that um, put champagne on the map in a way that um, is kind of mind-blowing, actually. And um, it, 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 it is more than just the local business that supported him and his family and sort of created community for us, but really offered state-of-the-art services to music musicians across the country um, and is the best of the best. And so the opportunity to celebrate that, I think, is is really unique and amazing. Um, and, and, you know, um, the same is true for Frances Nelson, the work that she did and the work that was done in her name and continues to be done in her name and retaining that name for the local center for promise, I think has been very meaningful for this community. Um, and Chabad, you guys have continued to do good work as you um, really create a community, not just on campus, but you reach out to our broader community and bring everyone together. So we are incredibly lucky, as everyone else said, to have all of this before us. And I agree, this has been a really delightful way to um, have the street naming designations before us um, to see the diversity and connection throughout our community. So with that, uh, Councilmember Williams, do we want to take them all separately or is everybody okay with just all of them together? We okay with all of them together? All right. So, uh, creating designations for all four. Councilmember Williams. Yes. 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 And yes, you have direction. Um, and for the members of the audience, it will come back to a city council meeting. You are welcome to come to that meeting if you wish to, um, um, but you certainly don't feel like you have to, but you are always welcome at our meetings. Um, and then after that vote, if they are approved, then the signs would go up. Thank you. City manager, am I turning it over to Kay or, okay, to finance. All right, great, thank you. Uh, my name is Kay Neese, and I'm the finance director here at the City of Champaign. I am joined by Courtney Kuzminoff, our city's budget officer. And tonight we will be providing a preview of the proposed budget for fiscal year 23-24. The budget year starts July 1 of 2023 and continues through June 30th of 2024. This presentation gives council the opportunity to provide feedback and direction related to the recommended budget request and the proposed budget. 
Based on the direction that we received tonight, we will incorporate any changes directly, any changes directed by council into the final budget that will be adopted in June. So this is really a continuation of the budget process that began in the fall with the financial forecast. During that uh, fall forecast, um, council provided the framework to develop the proposed budget. Um, the proposed budget meets all financial policy targets, as well as continues to provide high quality services to accomplish council's vision and goals. So as part of our presentation tonight, we wanted to provide some information on the economic climate, as that informs many of our budget decisions. So while I'm happy to say that economic activity has returned back to pre-COVID levels, there's been increases in consumer spending, wages have grown, the unemployment rate has dropped to just 3.5%, and there have been strong corporate profits. However, there are signs of a slowing economy, and several economic indicators have, uh, been, have started to point towards the possibility of a recession. GDP, GDP growth, which is uh, gross domestic product growth, slowed to just 0.9% in 2022 from 5.7% in 2021. In addition, we experienced a stock market slump for most of 2022. One of the biggest concerns in the economy is the impact of inflation. This chart here shows how quickly inflation has grown since January of 2021. As you can see, over the last two years, inflation has actually increased by about 16%. This has had a big impact on the economy and actually caused the Federal Reserve to increase interest rates at an unprecedented rate. So in one year, from March of 2022 to March of 2023, the Fed actually increased the target rate from 0.25% to 4.75%. This rapid rise in interest rates has put pressure on local banks as well as the housing market, leading to greater uncertainty about the future of the economy. However, despite these concerns, economists uh, still anticipate that the economy will continue to expand in the next fiscal year, however, at a much slower rate than what we saw in the prior years. So due to the sharp increase in consumer spending, um, inflation, and corporate profits, several of the city's major revenues um, are anticipated to once again hit all-time highs in fiscal year 2022-23. However, some of this revenue is considered to be a one-time boost due to the impacts of the federal stimulus funds as well as pent-up demand from the pandemic and the related supply shortages. And this is very much reflected in the chart that you see here, where in the current fiscal year, you'll see that there is a, a steep rise in revenues from the prior fiscal year. However, you see those revenues start to decline in the following fiscal year, reflecting the one-time nature of many of those funds. So in this chart, you can see the city's revenue versus expenditures across all funds. Once again, you'll notice that there is this uh, sharp increase in fiscal year 22-23, and then it's declining in fiscal year 23-24. Um, this is primarily due to the impact of phase two and three of the Garden Hills project. So in fiscal year 22-23, the, the bond issuance are show up as revenue for that project, and then all the expenses related to that project are budgeted. Then in the following year, phase three, the revenue from the bond proceeds are coming in as well as the expenses associated with that. So that is the reason why there's that large jump in both revenue and expenses in fiscal year 23's estimate as well as the 24 budget. 
So here you can see across all funds what the budgeted expenditures are by department. Once again, you'll notice that uh, public works and capital projects um, have by far the most expenses. This is also uh, in big part due to the Garden Hills project and those expenses in both this fiscal year as well as next fiscal year. This is then followed by spending in police, fire, public works, and neighborhood services um, being the, the largest spend departments over the course of the next two years. Um, over the course of the last several years, several key council initiatives were incorporated into the fiscal year 22-23 budget. Funds for these programs have already been included in the fiscal year 23-24 budget. This includes funding for the Community Violence uh, Reduction Blueprint, the Modified Sleep Program, which are the free yard lights and video doorbells within the Garden Hills neighborhood, the Neighborhood Ambassador Program, um, the Garden Hills Drainage and Lighting Projects, Housing and Security, and the Surge Hiring of Firefighters. So up until this point, I've really focused on the city as a whole. Next, I wanted to focus on the General Operating Fund, which is the fund where the majority of city operations occur. So this chart shows the breakdown of the city's general fund revenues. Um, revenues are projected within the general fund at $109.8 million. Um, the largest revenue being sales tax at around 43% of total revenues, followed by property tax at 15%, then income tax at 13%, and the other remaining revenues being at 10% or under of the, of, the, of the total revenues. So one thing to point out with that is that um, since sales taxes are about 43% of that budget, it does make us more vulnerable to potential economic downturns. So this chart shows the percentage breakdown of the city's general fund expenditures. The total expenditures within the general fund are 128.3 million. Roughly 55% of expenditures within the general fund are salary and benefits, followed by capital expenditure transfers at 14%, then general transfers at 13 and contractual at 10%. So one thing you might have noticed is that projected expenditures are greater than projected revenues. However, this is primarily due to all of the expenses related to the funding um, of the American Rescue Plan Act grants, as well as the planned use of fund balance for special projects. So in looking at the general fund, the city really has two key financial policies that we are trying to meet. Um, the first is budgeting recurring revenue at 90 at 98.5% of recurring expenditures. Um, this is in order to be able to provide, and I apologize, I said that wrong, recurring expenses at 98.5% of recurring revenues. Um, the 1.5% difference serves as a buffer in order to protect the city in case our revenue projections come in slightly under. Um, it also provides us time if there is an economic downturn. Our second main uh, policy within the general fund is to keep a general fund balance uh, of around 10% of operating expenditures, not including transfers. Once again, this provides us with an important buffer um, in case of that economic downturn, but also in case something uh, would occur like a natural disaster or some sort of unforeseen funding need to have this additional uh, funding be available. So then this chart here actually shows where the city is at in meeting that first policy that I talked about, our recurring revenue policy. So the purple line shows what funds are available above our policy requirements. 
And then each year, sort of as part of this budget process, we go through and we look at what is our recurring revenues versus what are our recurring expenditures and make sure that we separate them out from our one-time expenditures. And as you can see from this purple line, the projection shows that our 23-24 budget is within the city's policy limits. Um, in fact, the city is currently projected to show recurring revenues of about $1.3 million in excess of our current policy after all budget requests have been incorporated. So in addition to this, staff are projecting that there will be about $1.4 million of one-time available above our policy. However, city staff is recommending not increasing recurring or one-time expenditures further than what has already been included in this budget, as there are several potential programs, including programs that are currently funded on a one-time basis through ARPA grant funds, as well as fund balance, that the city council may want to fund on a recurring basis during the next few years. In addition, there's a high degree of uncertainty about the economy and the possibility of a recession. So at this point, I'm going to turn it over to Courtney Kuzminoff, who will review our budget requests. All right. Thank you, Kay. Um, as she mentioned, I'm going to go through our recommended budget requests that have already been incorporated in the figures that we've presented here tonight. So budget requests are service needs that departments identify during the budget process that cannot be accommodated within their target level. So the budget requests that we're recommending for council consideration tonight with the proposed FY23-24 budget focus on council goals and initiatives, are necessary to maintain our current service levels, advance one-time capital improvement and maintenance activities, maintain one-time, or I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, make one-time investments in our local economy and increase public safety or the safety of city employees. So I'm going to start off by going through some of the um, proposed budget recommendations for the addition of new positions. Uh, the new positions that we're proposing are to help address some of the most pressing staffing gaps that we have. Uh, so the first um, positions that we're recommending are two electrical tech positions within the Public Works Department. So these two positions would assist in working through the maintenance and repair activities around the city's traffic system. In addition, this re request would fund uh, the purchase of a bucket truck to assist with this work. Uh, another position that we're recommending for Public Works is a Landscape Maintenance Worker 2 position to help address landscape maintenance across the city as there's been an increased demand for maintenance with the build out of infrastructure. And we're also recommending a Building Service Maintenance Worker 2 position at Public Works uh, to help address the increased building maintenance needs at city facilities as the city has continued to experience growth in departments, staffing, as well as the addition of a new leased building. Uh, for the Neighborhood Services Department, we're recommending two positions, uh, the first being a rehab tech. Uh, this position would support the construction management of re housing rehab programs as well as growing the con contractor pool for housing rehab. This position would be funded half from the Neighborhood Development Fund and then half from the CDBG Fund. The next position for neighborhood services is an environmental inspector. So adding this position would move the majority of nuisance cases to the environmental inspector position, creating increased capacity in code for the code compliance inspectors to focus on housing and other code enforcement cases. This position would also be uh, proposed to be funded from the neighborhood development fund. For the police department, we're recommending the addition of an administrative services supervisor position. So this position would shift administrative work duties that are currently with deputy chief and lieutenant positions and allowing them to focus on policy work and police operations. So this position would focus on fiscal management, purchasing, and supervising to um, police account clerks. 
For the legal department, we're recommending two positions. The first would be the restoration of a paralegal position that was eliminated during COVID-19 pandemic. So this part-time position restoration, as well as an increase in the FTE count, uh, would help increase capacity, capacity for enforcement of, um, in, of cases, improve efficiency and timeliness. We're also recommending the addition of a deputy city attorney position. So this is a position that was eliminated in the early 2000s. Um, and was never restored. Uh, so this position would serve as the chief legal counsel for boards and commissions, the township, the library, and act as the ethics officer and Open Meetings Act officer, as well as assist with special projects and staff supervision. The proposed budget also includes some temporary limited term positions that support important projects that need to be addressed or that would be addressed within the next couple years. The first would be an emergency management coordinator at the fire department, which would add a uh, position for a two-year term uh, to work through policy creations to address shortfalls in our emergency managing planning. Next, we would, uh, we're recommending adding a management analyst position at Public Works. This position would be for a three-year term and would use, data uh, use a data-driven approach to city services and improve response to the community needs. Uh, lastly, we're recommending an, an environmental uh, sustainability specialist in Public Works. So this would be a two-year uh, position that would focus on a variety of uh, sustainability projects and could, uh, could identify potential cost savings for the city. So this position would be funded from the Environmental Services Fund. As part of the budget strategy for fiscal year 23-24, council directed staff to bring forward recommendations that targeted infrastructure needs with one-time funding to help accelerate capital projects and increase maintenance activities. So based on that direction, the proposed budget includes uh, one-time funding uh, to uh, bring forward phase one of the downtown plaza. So this request would allocate $3 million to the beginning of phase one of the downtown plaza plan, which would begin construction next fiscal year. Uh, we're also recommending accelerating the Park Avenue reconstruction. So this project was initially budgeted for in fiscal year 26-27. So utilizing 2.5 million of one-time funding will help accelerate this project to begin design work in next fiscal year with construction beginning in fiscal year 24-25. In connection with the Park Avenue reconstruction, we're also recommending one-time funding for conceptual planning of Neal and Taylor Street. So this project would add an aid in the development of Taylor Street Plaza concept, as well as maintaining consistency of the surrounding improvements. We're also recommending one-time funding for a traffic signal study uh, to examine the overall city's traffic signal system and identify issues ahead of failures, as well as plan for the upgrade of the system. And lastly, we're recommending uh, adding additional funding for the sidewalk repairs. So currently, the city budgets about $350,000 annually uh, for sidewalk repairs and ramp up updates. So this request would add an additional $300,000 of one-time funding to help reduce the backlog of sidewalk repair requests. So these, uh, these capital investments will also be discussed in further detail during the proposed capital improvement plan, which will be presented to council next Tuesday. As part of the budget strategy, council also directed staff to recommend allocating one-time funding towards growing businesses and encouraging development in the city. So we're recommending uh, with the proposed budget allocating one-time funding to establish a special events sponsorship program 
uh, which is per council direction from the April 11th study session. We're also recommending um, allocating one-time funding towards small business, workforce development, and business incubator programs. So these this would reserve funds to allow for investing in our economy through new programs. Uh, if approved, staff will bring forward recommendations to council for review. And lastly, we're recommending one-time funding to hire a consultant to assist the city in creating a new vision and plan for downtown. The proposed budget also includes uh, recommendations for funding to support city services and improve efficiencies. Uh, the first item on this list is restoring funding for um, a outside facilitator for the council goal setting process. So this was funding that was eliminated during the COVID-19 uh, budget reduction. So this would be restoring that funding. We're also recommending funding for two pieces of software for the finance department. The first would be software for a new counting standard related to software contracts. And the second software would be related to facilitating submissions of bids and RFPs electronically. We're also recommending establishing one-time funding for temporary employment services for the fire department and the human resources department to assist with administrative needs, as well as cloud hosting platforms for funding for the CGTV streaming videos. For police, we're recommending one-time funding for evidence storage rental costs, as well as funding to continue the police officer marketing campaign. And lastly, we're also recommending um, providing some funding to Champaign County Environmental Stewards to establish a long-term household hazardous waste facility. The proposed budget also includes uh, recommendations around funding for technology and training in the police department. Um, one of the items is in-car and body-worn camera funding gaps. So these cameras were initially purchased in 2016, and since then we've seen significant increases in the cost to replace this equipment due to inflation. We've also seen new technological options such as cloud data storage and digital evidence management. So this request would fund the gap in the replacement of this equipment. We're also recommending uh, setting aside fund for special unit training and safety equipment. So as the police department has experienced an increased turnover uh, rate, uh, as well as limited training options during the pandemic, there's a need for additional training of our special units, as well as new equipment um, that was specifically safety equipment that was purchased with grant funding. So these would this request would help address those needs. We're also recommending one-time funding for staff to attend uh, to um, obtain public training on the new public safety records management system. And then lastly, we're including in the proposed budget cost-neutral grants for public safety uh, with the anticipated grant funding of about $200,000. So most of the budget requests that um, I've gone through are uh, primarily reflect the general fund, um, but this provide this slide here provides a breakdown of the financial impact by each fund. So, in the general fund, the total recommended budget requests are uh, about nine hundred and ten thousand dollars, and then one-time budget requests are about eight million dollars of expenditures. I did want to note in the general fund, six point one million of that is going towards the capital improvement investments, um, which we're going to be discussed during the CIP. Um, the budget requests also impact the Neighborhood Development Fund, the Community Development Block Grant, as well as the Environmental Services Fund. So the proposed budget that we've presented here tonight, including all of our recommended budget requests, is balanced and provides resources for existing recurring services. So the next steps in the budget process. So tonight, after our presentation, the library will present their proposed budget. On May 16th, uh, we'll have a study session 
that presents the proposed capital improvement plan and the sanitary sewer fee review. On June 6th, we'll have a public hearing on the budget, and then we'll be back on June 20th for the budget adoption, incorporating any council direction that we receive in the next few study sessions. So there's several opportunities for the public to provide input um, any, at any of our council meetings or study sessions for the budget at a public hearing on June 6th, as well as emailing the finance department. So at this point, I'm going to turn it over to council for any questions. Technical questions. Anybody? I actually, oh, do you have one? Councilmember Shannon? I just want to confirm this, and I know I asked you about this earlier. Um, you talked about there are a couple of um, two-year positions, but um, I asked you if those positions turn out to be cost-effective, still needed, there is a process in place that um, would turn those into recurring revenue and permanent positions, yes? So uh, the process is that, uh, you know, as the as those positions progress, um, the department head can, during the budget process, turn in a budget request asking to make those positions permanent, and then we would evaluate that at that point with all of the other budget requests that we receive in that year. Thank you. Thanks. Anyone else? So I have one, and I apologize, city manager, when I was asking you questions about the memo this afternoon, I forgot this one. Um, so my question, I'm not sure who it gets directed to, is the the grants manager position that we funded with the blueprint, can you remind me when that ends? Kind of similar question about um, if we need to make that permanent and how we would go about that. Do we have one more year left on that? So, so we do have um, at least one more year. I'm trying to remember. I believe it ends um, 25, June of 2025 is when that is scheduled to end. So we do have a little bit of time on that. We purposely extended that position just slightly longer than the, the, the ARPA schedule um, because of the likelihood of there needing to be, you know, grant closeout work and things of that nature. So we still do have a fair amount of time on that position. Okay. And then... Similarly, although not exactly the same, we hired or maybe we contracted with somebody to do um, to put together grants on behalf of the city or appli grant applications that is funded through this next fiscal year as well. It's so included. So that was funded with the one-time dollars in last year's budget, but anything that is left on that contract, um, which there's likely going to be funding available left on that contract, will continue to roll until that funding has been exhausted. Um, at this point, I anticipate that the funding that we've already set aside will likely carry through through the entire next fiscal year. Because we were paying by project, like by the hour Correct. Per, per project. For work being performed. Okay. And if more money is needed, then that would be a discussion that would come back. City manager, did and you? I think you know, similar in the theme of evaluating these things. Um, I think if we reach, and of course we don't wait until the very end, <laughs> so it would be something we would discuss with council before these things sunset. But I think part of our question will be, one, is there value in funding the additional grant writing? But then, two, the question of, are we getting our better value by contracting out, or would that be something that council would need to consider for in-house staffing? And, and I think it's too early um, for us to kind of have a good read on that. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right, great. 
Um, I'm going to see if you may not have to move looking at who's left in the audience. Is there anybody who wishes to address the council on this issue? I think everybody's library and public comment. Okay. So council comment. Anybody? Council member Fulmer. Yeah, I um, I actually, thank you, Your Honor. Uh, I had the same question about the grant writer. I was pretty sure um, that we were all on the same page there. Um, but really, I just wanted to say thank you um, because I appreciate your work so much um, and, uh, and, and I just really appreciate how um, robust and clear the information that you present us with is. Um, so thank you very much for that. <clears throat> Deputy Mayor Kyles. I, too, thank you for the work that you've done. I know that it's uh, complex and complicated. Fun fact, the CPI report comes out tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like a little snore came out for me here. You know what I mean? But nevertheless, thank you for the work there. This budget reflects our, our community and a lot. I mean, when you talk about um, several of the projects um, that we've already discussed, such as the blueprint, um, it's amazing to see uh, how we, still amazing to see how we've uh, been blessed to use the ARPA money. And then uh, while all projects are, are critical, uh, one of the ones that sticks out is the traffic signal system study. And so thank you all for all of the hard work. I know that staff um, has worked diligently on this and just reflective of the community wishes. Thank you. Councilmember Fanfetti. Thank you, Your Honor. I wanted to extend my thanks as well. I know that there's a lot that goes into this and a lot of moving parts. Um, for me, um, I echo the comments of my fellow council members as well. Um, I'm always thinking about what happens as I see um, the lines go down and we're forecasting out and thinking about 2025 and 2026. Um, so to um, Council Member Shannon's comment, you know, when I see these positions that we're doing very short term, um, I just, you know, I would love to make sure that we are really evaluating them and seeing um, how they are helping us and making an investment in our community. Because for me, I, I, I look at them and I think, we, we're going to need them more than two years or three years. So I want to make sure that we have plans in place um, of what we can do because the graph's going one way, but our needs are going another way. So um, I wanted to echo those comments. And um, I do love the investments that we have in, in our uh, capital improvements, which we'll, we'll hear about because I think they look at a wide range of what we're trying to do to enhance different parts of our city and our community. Um, so I, I do um, appreciate that. And also, um, thank you for looking at the needs of our um, police officers and like thinking about um, the different sides and the, of, of what public safety means. Um, because I think sometimes we think of it from one perspective and this kind of looked at across the board. So thank you for that. And also for reminding us that a lot of what we talk about is on ARPA dollars. And so we have to have contingency plans because we've done a lot of good work um, here in this city. And so we want to continue to do that. So thank you very much. Anyone else? Thank you for your presentation. Um, it's interesting, you know, um, a couple council members 
reference the graph that always goes down. And somehow what I've learned over my course of years on council is that because we make adjustments each year to make sure we don't fall off of that cliff, it never really is, it, it, it isn't that. I mean, even in years where we've had down years and we've had to make cuts, it isn't quite, I mean, that's like worst case scenario if we do nothing to adjust. But I know that you amazing women will tell us how to adjust so that we don't fall off that cliff. So for anybody who's watching at home, it looks really bleak next year, but I can pretty much promise you it will not be that bleak next year, even if we have to make some adjustments. So thank you, as always, for your work. Um, we Our alternative is to approve the proposed budget request in fiscal year 23-24, Council Member Shannon. Yes. 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 And yes, you have direction. Thank you. All right. So we have library next. Uh, city manager, are you introducing them or am I turning it over to Brittany? I think you're going to be turning it over to Brittany as soon as we get our chairs changed. You're not on. There Good evening. Go. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm uh, Library Director Brittany Millington, and this is Library Board President Katie Blakeman. And in keeping with tradition this evening, I will share information tonight about the amazing things happening at the library, in addition to sharing information about the library's budget. This month marks the first year that the library has returned fully to in-person programs and services since 2019. The calendar of events is running at full steam ahead with more than 120 programs taking place each month at the library. A quick overview of some statistics demonstrate the community is ready to return in person at the library. Visitor counts and programming attendance are returning to pre-pandemic levels and groups are gathering and meeting at the library. Customers are coming in to receive reference assistance and to collect their materials. We received some very good news in December that Library Journal ranked the library as a four-star library, which places us within the top 3% of libraries nationwide. These rankings are based primarily on output measures demonstrating a highly used library. Each week, the library offers 10 story times, some at Maine and some at Douglas Branch. And several times a month, we also sprinkle in fun things like multilingual story times, sensory-friendly story times, and Mother Goose on the Loose story times. Additionally, each weekend, we host programs that welcome hundreds of children and families for things like performances, concerts, bubbles, games, and crafts. Of course, all of these uh, programs are aimed at helping children develop a love of reading and learning. We often hear from families who are new to the area that their first stop is the library because it is a welcoming place where they can make new friends and become part of the community. Mother Goose on the Loose is an outreach story time initiative, and Mother Goose visits daycares and preschools to provide highly interactive story times and free giveaway books to build home libraries. This is a major objective in the library's strategic plan because studies show that raising a child in a home filled with books positively impacts their literacy skills, future academic growth, and job attainment. The library has given away more than 8,500 books since July to help children build home libraries. 
This is Mother Goose uh, on the loose last year at Hedgepop Park, uh, providing story times and free giveaway books, and we'll be doing more of the same this summer. As many of you know, the library hosts after-school activities for teens called Teen Lounge. Every day after school, approximately 150 middle school students make their way to the library. Staff have many engaging activities set up for the students, including jewelry making, gaming, board games, crafting, 3D printing, sewing, and more. The students learn new skills, develop new hobbies, and some have even started small businesses based on the skills that they've learned in the Teen Lounge. Uh, recently, we had the U of I women's basketball team connecting with the teens after school and playing games with them. So this summer, we are gearing up for our summer reading program, and we are going to be creative. The summer reading program aims to prevent the summer slide in educational attainment by keeping those neurons fired up throughout the summer with reading, concert, games, and lots of fun. The reading program is for all ages, and there are prizes and giveaways for kids, teens, and adults. The kickoff party is May 21st, and typically we welcome about 1,500 visitors to this event each year because it's a great way to start the summer. Also this summer, we have our Juneteenth event, which is a fantastic community event that we look forward to each year. Last year was really a banner year with nearly 1,000 attendees throughout the event and 40 community vendors setting up in the park. There's always really fun activities and fantastic performers. Um, and it's an amazing event um, to bring so many community members together and a great partnership with the Champaign Parks Department. Friday Night Jam Sessions at Douglas Branch is one of those amazing programs where people say, really, you get together and you jam at your library? And we get to say, yes, we do. The program brings together instrumentalists, singers, producers, DJs, and spoken word artists to showcase their, showcase their talent and organically collaborate with each other in a family-friendly environment. We've seen as many as 60 people attend the Friday Night After Hours event. And we've had great partners on this program series, including the Community Coalition, the Champaign County Mental Health Board, and the Don Moyer Boys and Girls Club. We also have lots of fun on the horizon this year for adults. Crafty Adults is a really popular program series that brings together creative people for socializing and for making art. The library is continuing to offer the business workshops and webinars and networking opportunities several times each month. These programs feature established and expert presenters as well as local business leaders. The library also offers the local librarian service so customers can reserve a one-to-one -one hour long session and have a customized consultation with our business experts. With funding support from the city, we are able to provide a very robust suite of online tools for business services. These tools help customers find the data they need to start and grow their businesses as well as to sharpen their own skill set. Similar to the business service, the library offers the career services for those who are looking to find a job or grow their skills. Regular programming includes cover letter and resume basics, practice interview sessions, networking, and more. And the online tools are also very helpful with resume design and enhancing skills. We also offer the book a librarian service for career services so that customers can get a bit more in-depth with their career plans with staff experts. The technology workshops provide uh, training for basic skill levels of how to use a mouse and a keyboard, as well as more advanced technology training. And the seminars include specific software like Microsoft products, Adobe Suite products, as well as training on specific devices. 
The Money Matters series is a fantastic series that covers the full financial spectrum. It includes programs on budget-friendly travel, taking control of your financial wellness, how to teach children about money, how to help your student with the FAFSA, and how to save for retirement. We're continuing to also offer the Writer's Workshop series, which has been a fantastic program to support those in our community who are wanting to learn about writing and publishing from published authors. We also continue with the Tuesdays at 10 program series for those who want to continue to expand their minds about technology, science, culture, and art. And these topics change each season, but they're always fascinating. In looking for positive things that came out of the pandemic, we received community feedback that some programs and topics are better suited for an online environment for customers. So we are continuing to offer programs in the virtual environment, and many of those we can record and make available on the library's YouTube channel. This has become a fantastic resource for customers who missed out on a workshop that they wanted to attend and have the opportunity to watch at their own leisure. One of the programs that really uh, sets our library apart is the Great Author Series. This series is made possible with the support of library friends and foundation. And it's a great example of how private support can enhance what a library can do, including bringing well-known and established authors to our community. Recently, we hosted Lisa C. and provided a, uh, she provided a great presentation to about 250 community members, which was hosted on our second floor at the library to accommodate the larger crowd. One of the amazing things about this program is that customers can hear a favorite author, possibly have a question answered by them, have their books signed, and talk with the author during the signing, which is a pretty unique opportunity, and it's one that's had really positive impacts and connection uh, between the authors and our community. In terms of celebrities at the library, it's really difficult to beat Pete the Cat. Pete's a pretty cool cat and is always a big draw. When we hosted the Pete the Cat author, Eric Litwin, for two sessions at the library in April, it was incredible to see so many smiling faces. Eric gave a fantastic concert, which really engaged kids and parents. We heard stories from families about how much their children love Pete the Cat, and we even saw a few teenagers who grew up with Pete the Cat books. And then speaking of engagement, we were excited this year to become a partner on a new opportunity for civic engagement. The main branch became a universal voting location. And with the ease of accessible parking, we saw many constituents vote at the library. And it was really exciting for our staff to be a part of that. And the good news on the horizon, we hope to open the studio at the library at the end of the summer. The studio is a new maker space that includes about 8,000 square feet on the library's lower level. This space will primarily be utilized to host the teens after school. We will have computers, gaming, virtual reality, a maker area with fantastic equipment like laser cutters, large-scale printers, cricket machines, 3D printers, sewing machines, and more. The space will also have two sound booths and a green screen, so teens can try out podcasting, recording, and video editing. One question we often receive is, will adults be able to access this space? And yes, absolutely. Uh, we will have regular programming in the space for adults, as well as availability for community members to come in and test out all of the neat equipment that will be in the space. On the horizon, we are also exploring options for a makerspace concept at Douglas Branch. And we anticipate utilizing some existing space there to be remodeled and include a sound booth for recording, equipment for video editing, 3D printing, virtual reality, among other things. 
So to finish up with a bit about the library's budget, 96% of the library's funding is from property tax revenues. Private funding provided to the library from the Library Friends and Foundation help us to enhance what we can offer to the community. The contributions make our library very unique in being able to do such things as the giveaway books for kids, the technology and device circulation, a robust e-content collection, the great author series, and the artistic lobby installations. The fiscal year 24 proposed library budget includes an increase of 4.4% in property tax revenues, a very healthy fund balance of 21%, a 4% COLA for staff, as well as filling 1.125 FTE, which will help with our public service areas. So to wrap up, library programs and services are fully restored and community members are utilizing their library for their needs and for their enrichment. And in conclusion, I do just want to share one great customer comment. After asking a children's librarian for help picking out a new book series, a young girl hugged the book and said, this is the moment my life begins. And that certainly speaks to what we try to do at the library. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any technical questions? Anyone in the audience wish to address this issue? Seeing none, council comment. Councilmember McGladney. Yeah, no, um, so thank you for the presentation and thank, thank you to the library for everything it does. I do think the library is our crown jewel in Champaign. Um, it provides um, so much, and, and I don't mean just the building. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful building, but I mean the services and the programs that are put on that, you know, that we've just seen a, a bit of a run through of. And, um, you know, I, I remember being a kid here uh, going to the previous library, and it, that was a fun place to go to, but, you know, it's, again, it's not just about the buildings. It's about the people who work there. It's about the services that are provided. It's about everything contained therein, um, and it's, it's a place of um, education and enrichment and fun, and yeah, I, I, uh, I just can't, I couldn't be more happy um, with our library here, so thank you. Councilmember Williams. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, just want to say thank you for your, for your presentation. Um, I will say I've had a chance to be a part of some of those events, um, the jam session at the park I went to, and also my daughter, she likes to go to the library after school. She's a, she's, she's, she, excuse me, she attends Edison Middle School. And so she comes over and she learned how to sew at the library. She came home and was like, Dad, look, look, look. I brought, look, look what I did. I'm like, that is excellent. So I am I'm just pleased with what the library is doing um, and continue to, just continue doing uh, excellent work. Thank you so much. Deputy Mayor Kyles. I guess we all got a cool, couple cool library stories and thank you for the presentation. And also the innovation, when I first came here, I never saw a library, I thought of it as a community center or an opportunity for people to um, uh, do outside of, I just thought of it as one thing, get books and maybe as time went on, get DVDs and, what, did I say DVDs? I did say DVDs. Who has DVDs? <laughs> But nevertheless, I want to thank you and also the, uh, the financial plan that you put together along. Uh, thank you. Anyone at this end? Councilmember Shannon? Okay, I got to share my library story too. I happened to be there the other day when uh, the giant influx of Edison Middle School kids were there, and I love how your staff handles that. But um, there was a student who came to the information desk and had to be somewhere in Urbana 
in like 45 minutes. And so they looked up the bus schedule for her. They told her exactly which street to go to, exactly how long she had to get there, and what the buildings were like around it so she would know that she was in the right place. So it's not just books. It's not just DVDs or, or whatever. It's even helping you get the right bus. I was blown away by that. So I thank you for the presentation and for everything you all do. Councilmember Fulmer. Yeah, so uh, for those of you that don't know, I serve uh, in uh, as part of my role on council as a liaison to the, the uh, library board. And so uh, I perhaps am, am quite biased, but I think that uh, the things that you all do there are incredible. Um, people can learn how to start a business, um, can uh, learn how to, uh, how, to, how to present themselves in the best way possible to get the job they're uh, dying to have. Um, students get to come over and learn after school and are excited about it. I'm really quite thrilled to do, to do so. Um, and I, I can't help but uh, but just smile every time I think of the library, um, the work that you, Director Millington, have um, have have taken on as our newest director. Um, you should be so proud, and your staff are incredible, incredible staff. Um, 120 events a month is insane to me. Um, I think about like the one event I have to plan each year for my students and I get anxious and like how are we going to do this and you all just do it with such grace and um, and really such such pride. Um, so thank you so much for everything you do. Um, we, we should all be so proud of our library and a place that we can just go and be. Um, it's something I, I talk to, to people about a lot where uh, you know, where can we just go and be? And and uh, this is way more than just going and being. You're going and learning and interacting with people, learning how to ride the bus uh, and voting and um, creating businesses. And it's it's really so special. So thank you so much. Councilmember Pianfetti. I will extend my thanks as well. Um, in particular, I was pleased to hear that you were um, thinking about extending uh, the services to the Douglas Branch Library in um, multimedia, podcasting, AI. Um, I was I was thinking at the time when you mentioned that about the street sign, uh, what what we were hearing about how inclusive our community is and how diverse our community is, and while we have a wonderful main library. I think we have an equally as wonderful branch library. And so for us to have um, the studio at the main library and to know that we are having conversations about having even you know, the branch of, of these opportunities is just a testament to how we look and how we think about community and what the library means to the, the various neighbors that frequent it. And um, I'm just very excited to hear that we are having those types of conversations to serve all our neighbors. So thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. We all have our library stories. Douglas was my library because I was a BTW student. So um, I love the investment there um, as you continue to do that. I. Um, because uh, Vanna and I both noticed that my mom was in one of those pictures. Um, 
I, I guess my comment is really about, it's really the entire spectrum of our community, right? So we think about it as young kids getting books or parents bringing kids or the students from Edison and the teen space, but it, it, it's everyone, right? It's, there's something for our seniors, there's something for our brand new babies, and um, the library is a place that really the entire community can come together. It's also a space that we can show off as new people come to our community or we're trying to attract new talent to our community. It's something that that really speaks to the place that we are, right? That we that we value um, what the library has to offer. And you all have done such a nice job of really expanding as council member Kyle's meant. It's, it's not just books, right? And it's not just checking out the DVD or whatever, but it is, it is a, it is a place of belonging and a, and a space to come and learn and to have joy. And it's, it's really, really special. Um, and I guess the final thing I would say, you know, these guys talked about being a kid at the Champaign Public Library, and certainly I had those experiences too, but the thing that's kind of sticking in my mind tonight is that you were Google before there was Google. There was like a library phone number that you could call and basically ask any question, and Katie's saying there still is, but I mean, you just picked up, like, you know, I'd have some question. My mom would be like, I don't know, call the library. And we'd just call the library and ask the library, and they'd go look it up and call you back or keep you on the phone. Um, but but that's who you were. You were answering questions and being responsive and helping our community then, and you are today. And we're really lucky to have you. I'm glad that the economy has changed because that makes such a big difference right we we've all lived through the slimmer times unfortunately for the library you guys are really solely tied to the property tax revenue we at the city are a little bit luckier because we have a more diverse um, tax income um, stream and so it's nice to see that you're adding some positions back that you're having some fun balanced kind of plan for the future maybe leaner times depending on how the economy goes um, but it's it's nice that we're we're in the position where you are able to do all the things that you need to do and thank you to all of the library friends who support those things that are above and beyond um, and you know congratulations on your library being really you know an elite library in the nation so thank you all um, and with that, our alternative is direct staff to incorporate the library's 23-24 proposed budget as recommended by the Library Board of Trustees into the city's budget to be considered for approval. Councilmember Williams. Yes. 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 And yes, you have direction. Thank you. All right. I'm getting back to the agenda. We are now at the point of general audience participation. For anyone who wishes to address the council, please step forward, state your name and city of residence. Please limit your comments to five minutes or less. Hello, my name is Leslie Crowsey. I'm a resident of Champaign. Um, I didn't really have a prepared speech today, but after I saw the presentation about the library, which was very impressive, by the way. Thank you for that. 
Um, I really have to say that this is another example of why I'm proud to be a resident of Champaign in our community. This, the library is phenomenal. It's beyond belief. What we have is truly a cherished treasure of our community. I mean, growing up here, I remember the former library, and as Gladney acknowledged, or Kyle's, I don't remember which of you said that it's more than just a building. Um, it really is about what we have to offer here to the community as a place of engagement. The programs and events that you have to offer are just beyond belief especially just the way that I've seen expand. And now we have the, the new space in the basement that's going to be offering uh, technical and other opportunities for students, uh, for uh, middle school and high school students as well as adults. Um, and it's just amazing to see the way that the library has expanded to keep up to pace with the technology. And even as uh, Mayor Finan acknowledged it was the form of Google. You could call, my mom used to call up the library <laughs> number all the time to ask questions when we didn't have the answers. And it was just amazing how responsive they are. But I mean, even today, you know, like I said, the way that's kept up to pace with the technology and what it offers the community just as a way of people coming together. You know, it's more than just a resource for the community. It truly is a central place where people can convene and meet with authors and meet each other and just education and the business services and things like that. So I'm truly proud of living just a block from the library and you know, I see it every day. So I think the library actually even featured one of my photos, an early morning photo on their Facebook page a couple because it was a beautiful sunrise and everything I had taken. And so it's, ama it's an amazing building. I mean, I'm just blown away by how beautiful our building is as well as the people in it. So thank you once again for the Champaign Public Library. Thank you. Ms. Pearson, come on up. State your name and city of residence. I'm Minnie Pearson, um, Champaign. I am very, very proud about Champaign Public Library and the approachable staff. They have a staff there that networks with the community, get out in the community, and hands-on in the community, and they meet the people where they are. They are wonderful. They're fundraisers. They are advocates. They work with the school district. They work with every aspect of this community, and they do it with compassion, dedication, and, and, and people feel good once they come to the library and they meet the people there. Nothing negative. And also, I want to thank the city council for the work that is being done in Garden Hills. The atmosphere of our community is changing. I can feel it. I can see it. And people are positive. We have, I don't think we realize, we have a jewel of a community. We really do. Some things take a little bit of time to get done, but we get it done. And we are working on it. And people are feeling better. And to our chief, crime is going down. We, we are doing well in this community. And so I encourage you to continue to work together, build things together, support one another, and listen to the voices of the people who we still need to bring up to par. But thank you for the work that you're beginning to do and you have been doing in the greater community. But Douglas Branch, our library staff makes sure that they are up to par in every step of the way. It is so wonderful to live here in Champaign, so thank you. Thank you, and thank you for your service on the library board. Anyone else? Oh, 
Hi, uh, Katie Blakeman, res uh, resident of Champaign. I just wanted to say a couple things since I didn't speak during our library presentation, but uh, as chair of the library board, um, I just wanted to thank you again, um, Mayor Finan and City Council for your support and partnership with the library. Um, it is uh, truly an honor to serve as the board chair and uh, I, I cannot tell you what a uh, what a wonderful experience it is to serve on this board with um, all the wonderful things that are happening at the library. Um, there, I've served on a lot of boards in my time and this is <laughs> truly a delight to serve on. Uh, just incredibly professional staff. And also want to thank you too for your support um, with, uh, with the studio project, of course, but also um, in your regular support, your support uh, from the city, city uh, attorney, uh, and the, uh, from legal department and finance and everyone who just supports the library um, in our regular meetings. We really appreciate that. I also have a daughter who attends Edison, though, and she go goes to the library after, day, after school every day and has come home with really elaborate sewing projects. And I'm so impressed. Like, she, want, she wanted a sewing machine for Christmas. It's really something. So just wanted to say thank you again and appreciate it. Thank you. I had an Edison student. She did not learn how to sew at the library. <laughs> Sending her back. Um, anyone else? Any council comment? Any for, anything further? All right. City manager, do you have anything? Um, not to prolong the meeting, Your Honor, but, you know, this is, it's like one of the favorite study sessions of the year because you can't talk about the library without being uplifted. But um, to just share a little bit, and I know I don't do this, but to share a little bit about my day, I had a series of meetings today where every single meeting the theme was, we have a wonderful community and it is time that we start telling that story over and over again. I think we've been through a rough couple of years and you know we're all a little kind of battle-worn from it. But I do appreciate so much your leadership and being a part of this community because we have all this amazing stuff going on. And I just, you know, hearing even Ms. Pearson's comments, it's like from the morning to the end of the city council meeting, everybody I touched has been reminding me what an amazing community it is. And, um, and I just had to reflect for a minute. I know I usually don't do that stuff, but reflect back to you um, that I think it is something that we should never take for granted. Thank you. And on that, Madam Mayor, I move we adjourn. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. We are adjourned.